you did not anticipate or plan for. Uh, a, a week for me was out of the office more than I was in the office because of sickness and doctor's appointments and a variety of different things going on in our lives. Um, as we are trying to prepare for uh, what is next for hope uh, in, in the journey that we're on. Um, and then getting to a pre-selected passage on a calendar that was set a long, long time before I started using this schedule, getting to Psalm 139 for today. Uh, that was scheduled by someone else, not by me. And here I am uh, once again talking about being fearfully and wonderfully made and knitted in my mother's wound, womb. And, and we get to this part of Luke where we are talking about freedom where we're talking about the oppressed and the captives and the poor and the sick being set free. Um, I don't know what kind of kid you were, uh, but think back to those childhood days when you were in gym class and it was time to pick teams. And the team captains would come and stand on each side and you'd line everybody up and you would have to choose whose team was on who. So the team captain would choose one, uh, biggest, strongest, fastest for me, and then the next one would choose biggest, strongest, fastest for me, and, and so on until I was left last to be picked on one of the teams. Uh, maybe you were the one that was picked last. Maybe you were the one who was picked first or somewhere in between. Maybe it was your lucky day and your best friend was chosen team captain, and so you knew you were going to make it somewhere in that top tier even if you didn't really qualify for it. And so there you are lined up with your peers, one being picked off after the other until everybody gets on their side Oh, those days of childhood rejection where you weren't the one that was picked. You weren't the one that was favored. You weren't the one who won. Those moments of rejection can form you, can shape you, can, can have lasting impact on you. Especially when those moments of rejection year after year into adulthood where it seems like nothing else quite goes right for you, where school didn't quite work out the way you thought it would, or that career path didn't work out the way you thought it would, that marriage didn't work out the way you thought it would, and rejection after rejection piles up to the point where you are just the outsider. You are the odd one out. These are painful lessons in our lives. And we can all relate to some degree feeling like we are on the outside of something. And some of us more than others feel that in our daily lives. Whether it's past mistakes or just the family that we were born into. We have these moments where we're pushed on the outside. And so last week we started this series titled Free, where we're looking through the Gospel of Luke at the mission of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he has come to do. And we started in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus gets up in the synagogue and reads from Isaiah Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. 
And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls the scroll back up and he sits down and all eyes are on him and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so this is how Jesus launches his ministry. Last week we saw that it wasn't odd for him to to get up and speak. It wasn't odd for him to get up and read from the scroll. It wasn't odd for him to sit down and then comment on it. What was odd was for him to say that today this is fulfilled. And suddenly heads turn and the crowd changes. And then he begins to talk even more that, that not only is today this fulfilled, but this message is for more than just you. This message is for the outsiders as well. And that's where this family group, this hometown crowd, turns into a mob scene to throw him off of a cliff. Welcome to the ministry of Jesus. He's saying that people will be free. They will be released. They will be forgiven. That there will be wholeness, a a freedom from the satanic forces and social chains that are binding people, that they will be accepted into the community. That what caused someone to be rejected, whether it was last pick on the PE team, or a birth deformity, or some race, or some social standing, or some income level, whatever it was that was dividing, whatever it was that was separating, whatever it was that was rejecting, them and moving them to the margins, they are now set free from that. Jesus comes to set the oppressed free. He comes to include those who have been excluded. Anyone can join the community of Jesus' followers. And this is the good news brought to the poor. And so for this series, we're going to be continuing to look at passages throughout Luke that continue to give us this picture of what this ministry of Jesus is. And so today we turn to Luke chapter 6. If you want to be turning there to Luke chapter 6, ultimately we're going to end up in verse 17, but right now we want to have a little bit of background in verse 12. Jesus has been healing people. He's been calling people to follow him. He's been driving out demons. Jesus has been busy. And he's getting a reputation, and the crowds are forming, the people are coming. He's especially getting in trouble with the religious establishment, particularly on what he chooses to do on Sabbath. But what happens is Jesus is choosing mercy over the legalistic rules that they're forcing upon them. Jesus' choice is always mercy. 
And so we get to chapter 6, and he comes into this place where he starts teaching the crowds that are forming. Verse 12, one of these days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the entire night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Now, Luke is very intentional about setting. Where are things happening? When are things happening? We saw that through the Advent series, in the time of Herod, in the time of Caesar. Now here we have on the mountainside, that's where Jesus prays. It's where he spends the night discerning who his core 12 will be to lead in this Jesus movement. Then in verse 17, He's on the mountainside to pray. He went down with them and stood on a level place. So he's gone from the mountainside to, the, to this level place. There's a large crowd of his disciples there and a great number of people from all Judea, from Jerusalem, and even from the coastal region of those Gentiles over there. This great crowd has formed on this level place. Jesus has come down off of the mountain to this place to meet the crowd of people who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from him, healing them all. So Jesus comes down from the mountain where he is praying with God. He comes down to this level place to be with the people, and they all gather to receive ministry from him. They're not coming to investigate him. They're not coming to question him. They are coming to receive from him. And it's not just for a select few. It's for all. All are welcome, all are invited to join in, and this great crowd is assembling to be recipients of his ministry. They're present to be healed, and they are. The sick are healed. Now, Luke, his gospel, uses this word healing and uses the idea of health in a variety of ways. Health can mean a lot of things. It's not just this physical healing. It can be a social, it can be a spiritual, it can be a medical need. There are social situations that we're in that require healing. We need racial healing. There are spiritual needs where we are sick and dark spiritually, and those need to be healed. There are certainly medical things that need to be healed. Cancer, disease. We need healing at the social and the spiritual and this medical level. And they all have one common enemy. The devil is at work bringing sickness. And Jesus comes to set us free from that captor. He begins his sermon in verse 20. Some have labeled this the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew, we have 
on the Mount. It's a much longer set of Jesus' teachings. This is Luke's account of the sermon that Jesus gives here at this level place, here among the crowds. Verse 20, looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed exclude you when they insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your fill. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. You see here these same themes that we saw in Luke 4. The good news for the poor and what it is that the poor are facing. And so Jesus continues his sermon, and we're not going to have time to to get through the entire sermon, but I want to give you some high points of, of what he's saying in this entire message because they all connect with one another. He's just given these four blessings and these four woes. And then he goes on to say, but, but you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. In verse 31, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. In verse 37, he says, not to judge others. Do not condemn others. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. In 43, he says that no good tree bears bad fruit. That what is going on in our heart overflows into how we behave. For the mouth speaks what the heart is. And then in verse 47, he, he concludes with this great image that those who hear the words are the ones who build their house on a rock. And those who hear the words but don't obey, they're the ones who build their house on sands. This is the outline of his sermon here. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted. And then he continues to say, if you're persecuted, love your enemies. You love your enemies. You don't judge others. You speak out of the overflow of your heart and you listen and obey the words of Jesus. This becomes his message for us. In this message, he's completely rejecting the social realities of their day. He's rejecting the religious practices and the practices and the norms that have all come to force people into two categories of in or out. And he's turning this entire world upside down. It had become a system that discriminated against and rejected those who should have been included. It was a system that created the outsider, 
There were clear lines that had been drawn between the two, between those who belonged and those who did not. And so Jesus is totally redefining the world here. He's saying there is a new system, a new order, that, that the foundation of Jesus' ministry, the foundation of the kingdom of God is a merciful Father where all are welcome. And so this new foundation should give new practices, it should give new perceptions, it should give new attitudes. It defines what this new community looks like. That community that we're now a part of. What does our community look like? Because Jesus is redefining what his community should look like. And it should shape the behaviors and it should shape what comes naturally to the people who are a part of that community. So what comes naturally to us? What is it that is easy for us? What is it that called us into? And what are the institutionalized practices? What are the, the structures of how we do church that are at odds with who Jesus is and what his ministry is? Those are hard questions, especially for one who works full-time doing this church thing. What structures have we put in place that continue to create insider and outsider mindsets? Because there are some who sit among us that still feel like they're the outsider. And so how do we continue to grow into a place that is true in the identity that God has called us into? This ministry of Jesus that is about inclusion. So drill down a little bit on these blessings and these woes that Jesus introduces this sermon with. There's four blessings, four woes. Each of them have a parallel with the other. The poor are blessed, but woe to the rich. The hungry are blessed, but woe to the well-fed. The weeping are blessed, but woe to those who are laughing. Persecuted are blessed, but woe to those who are popular. This introduces Jesus' great reversal of things, where you look at this, and you think, what in the world is he talking about? This is not the world I see around me. This isn't even what I see in churches. The people hear this, and they see this. And Jesus is reversing what would be the norm for us. He's giving a constitution that says, this is what the new community will look like. This is who my people will be. This is how they will be formed. He's redefining for us, both in the now and both for the future, what is to be affirmed, what is to be valued, what is to be important for us, and what is to be devalued, what is to be disaffirmed, what is to be unimportant. And so he reverses this for us. We saw this reversal in the Song of Mary in chapter 1. We saw it again with the good news to the poor in Luke chapter 4. 
And now we see this explicitly defined for us and surfaced here of what this means for us. Now, each of these blessings, each of these woes are specifically targeting certain people, certain types of people. They're not targeting behaviors. They're not targeting performance. It's not something that we did that got us into one of these categories. These are the categories that are forced upon people because of the society that they live in. They're descriptions of the realities of their lives. Many of us face realities in our lives that have nothing to do with our choices, nothing to do with our decisions. And yet we find ourselves in a place that is discriminated against. Whether it is our gender, or whether it is our skin color, or whether it is our intellect of how we were born, or physical constraints of we were born, the place in which we were born, the country in which we were born. These are all identifying markers that we have no control over. And Jesus flips this around for us. He's addressing the way of the world, the things of the world. And it is designed to jolt the audience. It is designed to make them uncomfortable. It's designed to shake them up. We talked last week, if there's not some sort of dissonance, some sort of disconnect between your party and who Jesus is, you don't understand one or the other completely. That what Jesus is saying here is uncomfortable and it's difficult. And we don't do well at applying it, either individuals or as churches and certainly not as families. And so who are we called to be in all of this? Jesus is starting out this sermon of opposites, this sermon of, of uncomfortable topics. He starts it off with these blessings and these messages of hope for people who were on the outside, for people who have, for people who have no opportunity, for people who are at the margins. Jesus starts with blessings. And he says, in my kingdom, you're blessed. In my kingdom, you have what you need. In my kingdom, you will not be judged by these characteristics. In my kingdom, you're included. In my kingdom, you have full participation in what's going on here. And so now, the recipients of Jesus' ministry, these ones who have come for healing and who have come for hope, they find their hope in Jesus. That Jesus' ministry to lepers, to sinners, to the demon-possessed, to the tax collectors, to the women, these are given a message of hope. Blessed are you who are poor are you. The social world defines what has been unacceptable, and what is now acceptable is now embraced and brought into a full restoration into this new world that Jesus proclaims. And in this new world, there are new values, new priorities, 
new levels of importance. And for those who are still measuring off of some social construct, still measuring off of some worldly standard, woe to you. Woe to you who are still measuring off of that worldly standard. Woe to you who do not fully embrace what Jesus embraces. We look at the world around us. We look at those who Jesus declares this woe to. And we see that there is this of a sense of well-being and a sense of security that is coming from the entirely wrong value system. And so where does our security come from? Where does our trust lie? Where does your sense of value, where does your sense of worth come from? Does it come from your wealth? Does it come from what you were fed? and the provision that you have? Does it come from a sense of worldly happiness? Does it come from a sense of popularity? Because Jesus says, woe to you who are gaining your security, who are gaining your wealth from these worldly standards. I have come to bring good news to the poor. Good news to those who have been on the margins. When we think about the poor, we think about the wealthy. The poor is this, this larger definition, not just a social uh, economic status, but this, this larger group of marginalized people. And the wealthy are these who, who have resources, who, who have things that, that are given to them, yet they fail to consider the condition of others. And so poverty is not just about how much money you have and don't have, but it is this lack of power, this being oppressed by others for a variety of reasons. And so we look at these blessings and we look at these woes and we ask these two questions again. What are we doing as a church? What are our practices that are, are not in line with Jesus and what he is blessing? Side to that question is what are we doing that is because there's a lot to celebrate within this church as well where people feel included that wouldn't feel included in other places where we we really spend more resources on wednesday night dinner than we do a lot of other ministries We have events and activities that are focused on the community and not, not focused on ourselves. Where we take people in and embrace people where they are at, regardless of where they're at. We spend time with them and minister to them and encourage them. 
there are great things happening in this church as we look at who the outsiders are and start breaking down those walls and say there are no more walls. And then the other question is, where is your security? What are the things that you trust that you shouldn't be trusting in? Because Jesus comes and says, those are not the things. Those are not the things that should be valued. And the way we rank ourselves and the way we compare ourselves and the way we, we look at others better or worse than ourselves, that's not the community that Jesus has come to build. So let's be standing together as we wrap up this morning. We have the poor, we have the sick. Jesus defines sick as the, the social, the spiritual, the medical sicknesses. That many of us can relate to those. As, as Laura said earlier, we want to have this prayer time where we can pray for healing. Whatever that sickness is, whatever that poverty is that you are experiencing, where, where you are pushed to the outside in some way, it could be because of, of your physical health, it could be because of economic status. It could be for a variety of reasons that we feel like we are left on the outside and we need that message of hope. We need that encouragement that God sees us. Because of all of, all of the blessings and woes, what, what it tells me most is see you. For those who feel like they are alone and on the outside, God sees. This has been a difficult process through months as, as we think about the situation that, that we're going through as a family. Uh, where we, we see this beautiful baby who is missing who in other parts of the world, and certainly other times in the world, would be left on a street. Not knowing what that path is for us, feeling very alone. And for me, I, a couple weeks ago, I was just in this really dark place, feeling like nobody gets it as I'm and searching for others who have a similar situation, a we can look at as an example where we're not feeling alone. Lower limbs, any, any problem in the lower limbs is a pretty rare thing. There's only 700 to 1,000 births a year in the U.S. that have some sort of lower limb condition. And so to be missing an entire leg is even rarer and come to find out to be missing a hip and a leg, that pelvic bone and a leg, is even rarer than that, to the point of I've found one other case in the world that's been treated. So I'm getting these messages that says, you're not alone. A few days ago, sorry, Laura, I didn't prepare her for this. Get this message from 
some people in Dallas who we actually were not close to until we moved here. Um, it, it was this weird thing. They invited us over for dinner one night and said, hey, we want to get to know you. And we went to dinner and said, hey, we're interviewing for this job in Albuquerque. And they prayed over us and discern, helped us discern through that process in some pretty ways. And they've continued to be prayer partners with us since. But we get this message out of the blue a few days ago. Hey there, so we have continued to pray for your whole family. At our life group last night, I asked people if they had any God-sized goals or words from the Lord for 2018. One of the ladies that we don't know said the Lord gave her the word hope. I said that was really cool because one of the things I had on my list was to ask the group if we could, if they would be okay if we sent money from our annual budget for blessing and helping others to you guys as an encouragement from the Lord and for possibly the potential prosthesis, I still can't say that word, that we saw on the Facebook post. Needless to say, it was emotional, very cool, and they said, yes. Love you guys. And it's just a message. God sees you. Blessed are the poor. For theirs is the kingdom of God. And there's more like that throughout the last couple weeks as we have found the one treated case in Canada that has the same condition as hope. And being able to talk to that prosthetist from Alm yesterday. There's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. God sees you. He sees you in your grief. He sees you in your tears. He sees you in your mourning. He sees you in your time of need. He sees your breath. And he sees your hurts. And he says, blessed. So we'll be down front. If you want prayer, we would love to pray with you. You can break up into groups and pray with one another, pray as a family, pray as a life group, pray as a couple. Um, if you have a specific request, you can come down front and one of the shepherds will pray with you as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for seeing us. We thank you for blessing us and we thank you for telling us that you've got it. And so, God, we, pr we pray that uh, we will continue to trust in you and in your healing and in your message of hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.